swept the technique. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Brenham guy. Well, Sean Mates has a favorite rejoiner. I think he's made that abundantly clear. Kyle Kuzma. Hold on, before we talk about Kuzma, I wanted to get some to something that Todd said. Uh, the Rockets have money so they can overpay as long as they are two-year deals. That, that to me, is plan B. Like, I, and it, I, Well, if, if I were running the Rockets, because I think that is their plan A. I think they are going to spend big money on a Fred Van Vliet, maybe a Kyle Kuzma, maybe a Dylan Brooks, maybe a backup big. Like That is their plan A. My plan A is what we were talking about at the end of last segment where I'm trading for big contracts and getting draft picks in return and using my money that way. I'd rather do it that than overspend on free agents, even if it's a short-term deal, because the Rockets are still more about the future than about the next year. I know that they're ready to go into phase two. They were, they're ready to win more basketball games, but this team is still five years away from reaching its full potential. So I still have that in the back of my mind. Like Fred Van Vliet, does he help you in the two years that he's here? Does he help the development of the young players? Yes, absolutely. Is Fred Van Vliet going to be on the fire truck when the you know, championship parades being held? No. Like, so big picture still needs to be perhaps even at the forefront of Rafael Stone's mind, in my opinion. He might be a member of the the Bucks when they <laughs> win the championship again. The streets of downtown truck. Houston. Oh. Um, when you look at it, and regardless of how they choose to spend the money or what they cho- what where the, where they choose to use the money that they have to use. The one thing that you can't do is abuse the ability to do. I think this team is a better team next year and going forward, even if they did nothing else other than change the head coach and the coaching staff. I think that just the fact that Adoka stresses both ends of the floor, that Adoka and his staff know how to develop young talent, and they showed that with some of the guys that were in the rotation in Boston and the way they got guys to to enhance and develop their best players by also contributing on a nightly basis and showing guys – you can contribute on the defensive end, not score a point, and be a valuable piece to this puzzle. I think that's enough to make this team better already. What you don't want is veterans that come in and say, I got I got to show you I'm worth the money, so I got to try and outdo what I've done in the past when I play for you. If Fred Van, v- Van Vliet just comes in and plays his game, he can make everybody better because, one, he makes the team better already by getting KPJ out of the starting point guard role. But, two, he's a really good shooter. He's a really good decision maker. He's a good passer. He's a solid player. And he also has been around the block enough that he doesn't have to show you like James Harden does. Uh-huh. And so he's a good fit. But then when you fill in the rest of your money, you don't want to fill it in with veterans that said, easy, young fella, you sit down. This is my minutes. These are my chance to shine. Yeah. Don't you know? Don't step on my toes. You don't want those guys. What if Amin Thompson, though, is a way ahead of schedule, and by game 40 of next season, you want Amin Thompson to be your starting point guard? You can't do that if you have Fred Van Vliet yes, on a max. Can. Yes, you can. can you? Because you can trade him. Okay. I mean, before if it happens before the deadline and you really see... That's a good answer. An advanced, <laughs> you know, a really good advanced Amin Thompson... There's going to be teams that still want a Fred Van Vliet. There's going to be look at how Phoenix was looking for someone already to replace Chris Paul. There's going to be good teams, especially that could love, could really use and would love a Fred Van Vliet. That's a great counterpoint. It's why I love you. It's why I love you because I was going to ask like, does it make more sense for the direction of the Houston Rockets to trade literally nothing for Kyle Lowry? Have Miami attach a first round pick, a couple of seconds. You have one year of a Kyle Lowry deal he's your veteran point guard he's grooming the development or does it make more sense to have a Fred Van Vliet on the max deal for two years 
See, I think, I think it's a fair question. And I think that Udoka could, could yeah, actually— I don't think Lowry's that good anymore, to be very, very clear. Well, in short doses, because we saw it even in the playoffs. The games where he had spurts, he could go for 13, 14 points in a quarter. He could be a difference maker. Right after those games, he would probably go over and or barely be, a, be a, a blip on the radar in another game and a half. And so he's giving you what James Harden could do for you, too. But at the same time, when you look at it, I think Udoka could get enough out of these guys. And if they knew that, hey— the minutes are going to be one thing, but their their future's probably going to be elsewhere that they could understand and play the play the role, play the deal. In Kyle's case, I think Brett Van Vliet comes in here, and he's the ideal kind of guy that, that Udoka wants running his ship on both ends of the floor that he could really get behind. And I think it could be beneficial to both guys because, like I said, if you get some young guys that really develop quicker, Fred Van Vliet has value. Kyle Lowry does not have the value that a Van Vliet does. No, not close. No, 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 not close. I'm doing that because of the draft picks, mm-hmm. and I'm doing that for I get out of the contract a year earlier. Not to not to say that I, I'm, I think Fred Van Vliet's a bad player. Now it is expensive. I think that he's not quite a max player, but the Rockets have money. See, to sp- the Rockets literally have to spend money. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> they have to spend it, and it's almost more beneficial to spend forty plus on on Van Vliet. Because otherwise, if you think about it, and some people have said, spread it out. Get three or four veterans at, you know, 15 a year or 20 a year, and and then you're really doing something for this team. You know what you're doing for this team, for every one of those guys that you make a deal like that for? You're taking minutes from your young guys you're trying to develop. I'm I'm all out on that. I don't want any of that. I'd rather spend 40-plus on Fred Van Vliet and know that he's going to get the ball in these kids' hands in a position where they could do something with it. Yeah, see, the young, the youth movement of this team is still my priority. Absolutely. But you, but you need a point guard. Like, you need a starting level we've point said guard. That. But if the Rockets signed, like, let's just, I'm not even going to throw out names here. If the Rockets signed two free agents at high dollar, one of them's a point guard, and one of them's literally a backup big. I don't even care if he's a backup big. Like, I, that's fine. Like, I still want to see the youth movement of this team. I think that we differ probably with Ime Adoka. I don't think Ime Adoka really wants to be very patient with a youth movement. He might be forced to do it for the most part, but it's probably why he wants some veterans on this team. I think Tillman Fertitta wants to start, you know, walking Winning. after he crawled, and then someday they're going to be running. You know, I think he wants that pretty he soon. He said this is phase two. Absolutely. This is where we start I mean, He's winning. flat out said it's phase two. Right. So I think that they have a desire to win more basketball games next year than, let's say, you and I have a desire to win basketball games next year. Because I still think that the future is more important but than see, the immediate you, for the You Houston also Rockets. hit on what I was going to say, Jeremy, which is if we say Van Vliet is where we start with the spending, Yeah. I skip Dylan Brooks and I get a backup. I, I, not even a backup. A part-time starting or capable of starting big. See, I don't love the idea. See, that's my hang-up on Brooks. Like, I'm fine with Dylan Brooks as the player, but you have a log jam at the wing. But that's what I'm saying. Right. So I like now, your idea. you got to get a veteran big that can kind of show the ropes to Shen Goon. I would like a defensive-minded big that could show Shen Goon some of the things he's not been doing that's been exposed on the defensive end yeah. where the key minutes when you need offense from your big, you're still going to go to Shangoon, but you know, the Robert Williams types are the guys that really focus on defense and rebounding and moving your feet and switching. Those are the, that's the kind of player that when you're down four with a minute and a half to play that you want on the floor, even if you go offense defense, yeah. that a guy can help you get a stop, get a rebound and, and get back in transition. Yeah, for sure. Like if you start thinking about it from game situations, that's a good point. Like a rim protecting five, yes. uh, I, I think is kind of critical, even if he's a backup guy. Uh, speaking of bigs, some people might think he's a big, some people might not think he is. Kyle Kuzma has popped up as a, as an intriguing option for the Houston Rockets and free agency. I didn't realize that Kyle Kuzma averaged over 20 points per game last year in Washington. I don't watch a ton, a ton a of bullet team, basketball, yeah. uh, but he averaged over 21 with the Bullets last year. 
Which, Bullets. Yeah, it's a joke. Oh. Um, what do you think about the Kyle Kuzma experiment? Are you intrigued at all about Kyle Kuzma as a free agent option for the Houston Rockets? I'm not. Because, again, now you're talking about a guy that's going to take a lot of significant minutes, and he wants to shoot the basketball. I mean, you just said he averaged 20 points a game. That's a first red flag for me because you're bringing in a guy. Yeah, I that, hate 20-point-per-game scores. Yeah, well, no, I hate it when you're <laughs> trying to groom kids that are supposed to be 20-point-per-game scores. I, I agree with you. So the fact that when he comes in, and he probably had a career year in scoring, now you're going to say, hey, by the way, he's coming in thinking he's going to actually build on his career year in scoring. Especially if you're paying him. Yeah. And so, like, and again, I always emphasize in free agency, if you're coming in and getting big dollars, you're going to try and at least equal the numbers you had the year before. I don't want that many shots going up in Kyle, coming from Kyle Kuzma's hands or trying to achieve that goal when you have the guys you have on this roster you're trying to develop. I, I don't like it. I don't need it. And he's going to want more than a Dylan Brooks. And I, for sure. that, I'm out. You're probably signing Kuzma and Fred Van Vliet, and that's probably it. Like, if, if you were to sign Kuzma. Yeah, yeah, especially with Kuzma coming in, being more of a scorer now that he, you know, kind of got to spread his wings a little bit in Washington. Now he's coming to a team, like like Joel saying, with nothing but 21-year-olds around him. He's the big free agent splash. He's going to view himself as, like, offense ro- rolls through yeah. Kuzma. That's not really – and he's not a a creator for others, really. Kuzma no. is a I get the ball, I put it in the hoop. It's going to be an empty 20 points. It's going to be a Kevin yeah. Martin 20 points. Like the, It's not going to you, you just lead hit the to winning basketball. Of empty 20-pointers. Yeah, it's what Kevin it is. Kevin Martin, we used to always joke, he, he might be the most highly efficient first and second quarter scorer that will never, ever make an appearance in the fourth quarter when you need him. He disappeared in the fourth quarter of games the entire time with the Rockets and for the majority of his career. He was unbelievable in the first three. Forget about him in the fourth. Yeah. Tracy McGrady trade. Kevin, uh, Kevin Martin? What was the trade where the Rockets got him? Kevin Martin was... He went in the Oklahoma City trade for Harden. Harden. Yeah, but the Rockets, came, I thought, got him in the... I thought it was the Tracy McGrady trade. Was I don't... I'll have to look at that. Uh, yeah, I'll... Run the I research think, in the break because we got Mac from we got Mac for Catino Mobley, Steve Francis, Kelvin Cato. Yeah, that was the trade with with Orlando and change and with Orlando. And then did the, the Rockets didn't trade McGrady? Yeah, it was a three team trade with the Kings, Rockets, and Knicks. It looks like where trade McGrady went to the Knicks and from Sacramento, uh, Kevin Martin came here. Really, I don't yeah. remember that. Carl Landry, Joey Dorsey oh involved gosh. in those trades. I just pulled up the pro basketball reference on that. Yeah. They traded half the league. <laughs> I, <laughs> There's 15 names. I try to keep it as like simple was as McGrady possible. Was McGrady done or did he do? It was in 2010. Yeah, I, McGrady was basically. He yeah. was in the league a few more years, but he was done. Yeah, he was He was washed at that point. Yeah, he was in the McGrady trade. Uh, 713-780-ESP at HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Sounds like we're out on Kyle Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Empty 20 points. We don't want that. Uh, eight teams last year finished last in their division. There's eight divisions. There's a seller in each one of them. Uh, where do the Texans rank amongst those eight teams? We're talking only last place teams from a year ago. Where are the Texans relative to the rest of the seller dwellers in the National Football League in 2022? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
Well, it's another hot summer in Houston, Houston, and that means radio signals are most affected by tropospheric ducting. So remember all of your options. Your FM radio presets, 97.5 and 92.5, your free smartphone app or ESPN97.5.com that you can run through your car speakers. And don't forget Twitch, where your ducting is not tropospheric. ESPN 97.5, you have options. You're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Uh, triple zero two, full, disco- uh, full disclosure. I like Branham. However, he antagonizes blankers intentionally. Cut it out, fool. Maybe it's intentional, but it comes naturally. I don't know how to stop it. Maybe there is a rehabilitation for that, but I'm sorry in advance, blankers, but it's probably not going to stop. It's just no. natural. I can't help myself. I can't can- bite my tongue. Amy Winehouse. Oh, rehab? You tried to go to rehab. It didn't work out that well for Amy Winehouse. Maybe rehab is not the answer. Like you're saying, it didn't work out for you either. (laughs) Maybe that's not the answer. Uh, Rehab is not Isn't that the song? I tried to go to rehab and no, no, no. So there you go. But I don't think she's with us anymore. I know she's not. Okay, I'm making sure. I know. Making sure. Uh, Yeah, so if it didn't work out for Winehouse, it ain't going to work out for Branham. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. There's eight divisions in the NFL. You may or may not have known this. The Texans finished last place in their division, one of the eight, the AFC South. If you go and look at last year's NFL standings, and you know everybody talks about this, you always hear this phrase in the NFL because it's, it's an 8-8 eight eight league, ask Bill O'Brien. But it's a, a league that is built on parity. You have last place teams that go from worst to first all the time. If you're looking at the the uh, division, the, the cellar dwellers in the National Football League a year ago, I need to stop saying National Football League. That annoys me. Um, the New York Jets last in the AFC East. The Browns were last in the AFC North. The Texans last in the South. Broncos last in the East. The NFC. Commanders, even though they were a 500 team, 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, they were last in the East. Chicago was last in the North. Atlanta was last in the South. And Arizona was last in the West. How did the Texans stack up? And look, I don't want to turn this into the, well, the Texans go worst to first. I don't want to do that highway to hell. But relative to the other cellar dwellers around the NFL, how do the Texans stack up with those teams? Well, Jeremy, there's one in particular that could make this a very interesting conversation that I think you probably don't want to have right now. Go ahead. I want to have it now. That would, now be, I want to that have would it. be the Cleveland Browns because you would go, how do you stack up against them? Well, I think, I think there's the, another team, though. I th- but I think the Browns, because of that trade and that pick and because of how important it is now because you traded your own away, are going to have a whole lot of eyeballs on how those two teams fare. And I truly believe the Browns are going to have a better season. I don't know that they're going to – I don't think they're going to be a last-place team. I think they're going to be on the cusp of fighting for a playoff spot. And I think that that's going to – get the ire of a lot of Texans fans. Yeah. See, the Browns, I would put in my, if I'm, again, these are my eight teams and I'm betting and I'm trying to stack them up how they're going to finish in the NFL season. Cleveland's my second. Cleveland's two to me. They're behind. The Commanders? The Jets. Oh, the Jets. Well, of course, the Jets. I have the Jets higher than I have the Browns, but I think they're on the same tier. Like these eight teams, Jets, Browns, Texans, Broncos, Commanders, Bears, Falcons, Cardinals, for me, for me, and USA Today put together their list. They disagree with me. We'll get to that in a second. For me, my top tier of those eight teams 
are the Jets and the Browns. Yeah, see, I didn't hear you say the Jets, but I knew that the Browns was going to be interesting because of the trade and the two picks and how they fare with the team's records. I think the Commanders are interesting because if they upgrade at quarterback at all with what they have... You think they, Sam Howell's an upgrade? I don't. But I'm, I th- I'm intrigued by him, but I, I, I'm not going to say he's an for upgrade. For this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if, they, if there was any other option, that that would be a much better football team. Uh-huh. But but the Jets are the, the obvious slam dunk. The Jets are the best team head and shoulders amongst any of those other seven teams. And you add Aaron Rodgers and everything else that they add and have continued to add to, and now they're at least considering Dalvin Cook. They're in go-for-it mode, and, and I don't think there's any reason to doubt the fact that they're the best of those eight teams. Commanders might be the one team in the NFL that's the hardest for me to put my finger on what they're going to look like offensively because, as you know, I'm a fantasy football fiend. Yeah. I have no idea what the commanders are going to look like. Like, they could be – look, this is going to sound crazy. I think there's a chance, if everything breaks right, that the commanders can have a top 15 offense in the NFL. Now, Sam Howe needs to be a hit. He needs to be a sophomore sensation. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, like, I'm pretty – that kind of intrigues me. I'm a little intrigued by Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. You look at Scary Terry and then Dotson, who they drafted out of Penn State last year. Logan Thomas ain't bad at the tight end spot. But the biggest wild card for the commanders offensively for me is the guy calling plays there no now. And like, does, is Eric Bieniemy a genius or is he not? Because if he's a genius, Washington's going to be good offensively. The problem is if you want to see if he's a genius or not, he, you probably think he'd like to have a better option at quarterback. For sure. And, and for I sure. think that with a better option at quarterback, that, that's, that's where I started the, the entire conversation with this team. If they had anybody else at quarterback, if they had a veteran, that had something left in the tank the enemy could work with. There are enough weapons there, and that defense is still good enough yep. that that team could make a significant jump, but with Sam Howell at quarterback. He's going to have to stun people. Yeah. Sam Howell's going to have to stun people for that offense to be top half in the NFL, and quite frankly, if I was betting on it, I would bet that he's not going to. See, and I also treat him like I would C.J. Stroud in the fact that this is truly just his rookie season as a starting quarterback. Sure. I think he started one game yeah, last year. Yeah, and so to me, that that's insignificant. He's going to ha- take his lumps and struggle simply because this is his first time as a starter in the league. We got the Jets and the Browns in our top tier. I'm very intrigued by Denver. I don't love their roster, although it's got pieces. I don't love Russell Wilson, but you've added in Sean Payton. He mm-hmm. should, I'm not going to say fix Russell Wilson, but maybe put a Band-Aid on you know what, what he, is Russell Wilson. You know what he's going to do? He's going to properly utilize the rest of his offensive weapons so that he can That's, upgrade Russell weapons. Wilson. Like if Javante Williams comes back, their receiving core is good. That's what I'm saying. So... He may not be able to fix Russell Wilson, but with play calling and the way he gets the the skill position players in the the best positions to be effective, he's going to upgrade the entire offense. Are you, they're not on the same tier for the Jets Browns? Nope. Better than the Texans? Yes. Okay, so we've defined three tiers now: Jets Browns tier one, Denver tier two, Texans tier three. Yep. We might define more. Where did you have the Commanders? Are they on the same tier of the Broncos? Better than the Broncos? Worse than the worse Broncos? than the Broncos because of quarterback. But better than the Texans or worse than the Texans? Or same uh, tier as the Texans? Because they're a little bit more established on both sides of the football, I'd say they're slightly above the Texans. Okay. So you have them ahead of the Texans, behind the Broncos. How about the Chicago Bears, who we both have bets against the Chicago Bears winning the NFC see. North? Joe's such a bad better. I he feel is. bad for Joe. I never feel bad for he, Joe. He bet, on, he bet on the Bears to win the division outright. They're getting but, plus odds. But he's a resource, Jeremy, that we can tap into anytime oh, when we want to win. I feel guilty doing we it. We can win. We can profit. We can we can excel because of the stupidity of Joe George. I'm all for it. What are their odds to win their division just in Vegas right now? Sportsbook. They're plus four twenty. He, he could have had plus four twenty. He's making straight up bets with us. Yep, and I love every minute of it. I, I don't oh, think I the Bears so are going to be significantly better. I think Justin Fields still has a long way to go passing, but he's still 
I believe he has talent. Um, I don't believe that he's got a, the, all the right weapons around him. And I just think that they're in a, a three to five year window to try and put put pieces around him and get better. I don't expect it's going to be a significant jump this year. So I, I would say better or worse than the Texans. Man, I, I would say slightly better. I think they're on, I think they're on the same tier. I, I put the Commanders on the same tier too as the Texans. I have the Broncos, yeah. I have the Browns, and I have the Jets ahead of them. But the part rest of, of their defense for Washington is really good. Yeah. I'm also throwing in the schedule, though. Like, the Commanders are going to be That's playing true. a very Eagles difficult and division. And, yep. Like, if you go Commanders, Texans, they play each other 10 times. I think the Commanders win six or seven times. But if you play out the season 10 times, I think the Texans are going to finish with the same record as the Commanders 10 times because yeah, the of schedule, the schedule. The schedule makes because a difference. Because of You're the right. schedule. You're right. Atlanta, well, this was a three way tie in the NFC South for last place in what was a brutal division. Eight and nine, Tampa won it. You have Carolina, you have the Saints, and you have the Falcons all at seven and 10 a year ago. Which of those teams do you like? Which of those teams do you not division like? Division is absolutely wide open. It's a terrible division. And again, Atlanta, I put in the same category to a different with a different kind of spin on it. But Atlanta is the kind of team that if they had any quarterback play at all, it looks like a lot to me like Washington. Yeah. Like if you get the right quarterback in that situation with Kyle Pitts, with you know a, a really good running back now and two running backs to work with, with some of the guys you already have on that roster and, and, and a decent offensive line, I think that's a team that could take a significant jump. Yeah, you mentioned Bijan. Yeah, I said yeah with two uh, good with Bijan and two good running backs. They seem like they're a quarterback away. It feels like if they get a solid quarterback, they could like be playoff good. Look, uh, Mariota, and though he wasn't great last year, uh-huh. they intentionally sat him down late in the year because they knew that they were getting close in that division because they still know that they needed young pieces. Right. But Mary, Marcus Mariota had that team at least competing in a discussion for the last playoff spot. I think their hope is that Ritter can be that next year and then has a ceiling yeah, where he can it. be better. I really don't. I'm not that bullish on Ritter. I like the Saints. I think Carr's a huge upgrade over Andy Dalton. Yep. That's a defense that was already good. They have some pretty good skill position guys as well. They Carolina let, rookie quarterback. I can't put a whole lot of stock in that. Saints defense took some hits. They let Davenport and a couple pieces get away. Yep. But, you know, Kamara is where that all sits right now. If Kamara could get out of the legal issues in Vegas yeah. and he could be anywhere close to where he used to be as a weapon for Carr, I think you're right. I think the Saints are significantly better, and I, I think they'd be the favorite to win that division. I, I just look at it and go, Tampa's not a factor to me. Nope. With, with the quarterback in a situation in Atlanta, they're not a factor to me, though I think they're going to be better because yeah. of their skill position. I think they're going to go 7-10 and 10 again. Like yeah. I think they're a 7-10 and 10 team. But I think I think it would be the Saints' division to lose. Oh, I completely agree. I yeah. think the Saints are the the best team in that division. I think they upgraded significantly at quarterback, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the division's lousy. Uh, Arizona, last place, the Awful. last last place team. You're I not think gonna they're going to Kyler for at least yeah. half the year. I think they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. I think you're probably right, and I think it's going to be by far. Honestly, they might control the top two picks in the draft. You know what's interesting with Arizona is that top two. Mm-hmm. Oh, Texans. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. What's that's, interesting that's about exactly Arizona right. is that they remember they drafted Josh Rosen. Yeah. They were lousy. They got the first pick. They drafted Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray could get Kyler Murray. Kyler yeah. Murray could he get absolutely Kyler could. Murray next year in the NFL draft. He they could go Caleb Williams and be like, ah, hey, Kyler, we appreciate you know all the stuff you did the for only us. The difference is, is that unlike Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray will find another job in the NFL. But I don't think it's going to be the kind of job that he wants. Yeah, Kyler will find a job yeah. just because he's so talented. Yeah, Josh Rosen was just a um, I think he's still in the league. 
No. I think he might not. be. I think he was no, on a team last year. No way. I'm pretty sure he got signed on a, like and several practice squads, the actually. The USFL? Is yeah, that the league no you're talking about? Way. I'm pretty sure he got signed to a couple of practice squads. I don't think squads. he's been in the league for... He got a tryout, maybe, but I don't think he's been in the league for a couple Houston of years. Gamblers? I think he was. I think he got signed to a couple of practice squads. Like, he's never played in a game. Yeah, I think I think in the 18 teams playing in Birmingham, all like, with cities on their 2022, Cleveland Browns waived Josh Rosen. So he training was on camp. their team. Yeah. He was in training camp. No, most recently, Josh Rosen was signed to the Minnesota Vikings December 20th, 2022, to the practice squad. Now, they've released him since then, okay. a month later, but this was as soon as this winter. Well, Josh ooh. Rosen was in, was in the NFL last year. In. In. That's Technical what he said. Term. Yeah, he got an employee yeah. I don't know that he, he ever got, stepped he got, foot in the facility. Yeah, he mean, got a t-shirt. He got his name in the transactions for a day. Two. He was Actually, uh, two days. He was signed one by, when they brought him in, and one when they let him go. He was signed by Cleveland on September first. He was released on October tenth, so he spent a you know a month and a week Ooh, there. Yeah, and then he was signed to Minnesota's practice squad on December twentieth. So he, not only was he employed in the NFL, he was employed by two teams in the NFL. That's how good did he ever suit up Josh for a game? Rosen is. I don't think he played in a game. Hmm. I'm not even sure he dressed. That's what I'm saying. Did he ever suit up in a game? No. I know he didn't play in a game. I just no. asked if he actually put on a helmet. But you know what he does well? He holds clipboards very well. Josh Rosen If he does. did, he'd still be in the league. Is there a last-place team? He was last year. Is there a last-place team that the Texans are better than? I think Arizona's clear. Yep. Is there anybody else? Are they better than Atlanta? No. Are they better than Carolina? Mm, nope. I think it's kind of a tie there. It's close. How about Chicago? Close again, but no. Commanders? Nope. I think they finished with the same record. Not as good a team as the Commanders. Denver? No. Cleveland? No. Jets? No. Nope. USA Today? Yep. They rated them Jets 1, Atlanta 2, Chicago three, oh. Cleveland four, Commanders five, Broncos six, Texans seven, Cardinals eight. They're a little off. Yeah, that I, second one's kind of reaching. I think they're saying most likely to win their division, to go worst to first. Worst to first, second so, Atlanta. So I still disagree. Because, yeah, well, I do too. I don't, I don't because of how bad the NFC South is. Yeah, Atlanta's division is the most winnable. Eh, that's a fair point. Yeah. That's a fair point. I just don't see them winning the division, though. That's kind of my hang-up. I, I think the I Saints are far better. I don't see any of those better. teams winning the division. Someone has to do it. It's a good point. It's a good point. So there's grading on a curve at the NFC South. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, every Thursday at 1.30. Who made the list of Bad Take Boulevard? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the Killer Bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. Do you notice bad, that bad, uh, bad, bad take, what Rejoin Mapes played there during the break? Boulevard. Well, not Rejoin, promo. You know what promo he played during the during the break? No, it was busy. He was uh, he played the Paul Gallant promo. Yeah, it's a good the show. It's a good show. People should check it out. <laughs> so when Joe's not in here force feeding the listeners to the bullpen only on the day that he does it, you're in here force feeding the show that you already did before us while we do ours. Yeah, oh. yeah. But I keep it in the break. I, I, I just keep it make, in the break. Make that clear. Got clear. You can't that see up. the strings that I'm pulling. First person who made the list of Bad Take Boulevard. Look, we're fair on the Killer Bees. No one is. No one is off the table. Even ourselves. I got got yesterday on Twitter. I thought that the Rockets were interested in Josh Primo. I read a tweet. I read a tweet wrong. I land on Bad Take Boulevard. You put yourself on Bad. I have to. Oh, it's the worst day. Self-reported. Yeah. I mean, hey. 
if we're if we consider ourselves to be honest, transparent, that everybody can be placed on the list of Bad Take Boulevard, I got to be for getting God on Twitter. So I take the uh, the top of Bad Take Boulevard this week. I made the list. You have anything? Yeah, there's been a couple of the bloggers that are trying to make these, I using quotes, educated guesses on what the Rockets are going to do. And I, I just think some of them are just so outlandish in terms of, like, the lack of wherewithal to think these veterans have to want to play here, too. But, like, they also have to be cognizant of, like, how much money the Rockets truly have to spend. I saw one of them put in a new starting lineup that involved not only to get them, but the starting lineup that involved Brooke Lopez, Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet, and then they were saying, and for the bench, I'm going, stop right there. You've already exceeded two salary caps. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Some of the uh, some of the Twitter general managing you see is pretty oh. pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, Jake Asman makes the list twice this week on Bad Take Boulevard. What do you want first? Do you want his top five radio host or you want him doing math? I'll let you decide. What Since do you want, you Sean? Decided what do you want to first? do this? You want, let's, let's do math. Boy, I forgot and you don't mention his name. Host. Yeah. You want to do the math one first? Yeah. All right. Here is Jake Asman trying to do math a couple of days ago on his very fine radio program. Mapping out the last 13, I think if they're able to go 9 and 6, which I think is doable with the schedule, they're in prime position to still be in the mix post All Star break. They'll get Jordan back. And then the, the division, I believe, at that point in time. Is still winnable for the Astros. Where are you getting nine and six in the last thirteen? You said there are thirteen <laughs> games between now and the All Star break. How are you getting nine and six? How am I getting nine and six? <laughs> this sounded better when I wrote it out. The most it underrated did? part of that clip was Cody's laugh. The laugh. The, the Cody. That's why I let it go on and on and on. Because really, we could have had the thirteen games, nine and six in the first three seconds. But how are we going to not? Play the laugh I, for the hive. I didn't know they had Mrs. Doubtfire on the air. I thought they were going to at least post the clip so we could have used them on our show. I have an aunt who laughs that way. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I do. Your aunt, aunt Cody. Aunt Stutes, right hmm. there. Uh, Auntie Stutes. Yeah. Oh, no, dear. Uh, Auntie Mrs. Stutes. Doubtfire's here, Man, dear. I didn't know Cody had that octave. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have known that, that he could get up there. That's the Bok Bok Chicken. He get, get up there yeah. with that octave. <laughs> My daughter has a toy that does that called the Bok Bok Chicken. <laughs> Jake lands on Bad Take Boulevard for, for thinking that 9 and 6 is 13 games, and here we are talking about the Aunt Stutes' laugh. Oh, man. Some really good. <laughs> He's got some ups. Cody's some got re- some ups. Some really good. One more time. That's the reason that Jake landed on Bad Take Boulevard. The, the math was just for the last Was that the alone. whole feather duster, Cody? <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Impressive. Hoochie-coo. Impressive. You want Asman soft five radio host, or you just want to play Cody's laugh for the next three minutes? <laughs> Jake Asman. Maybe, same, maybe Cody can laugh at Jake Asman's top five radio host or list. national? Uh, this this is national. Although there is one local because he's trying to kiss up after losing a oh, few. Oh, John Granado made it. Yeah. <laughs> John Granado made yeah, his shocker. list because he lost a few to John Granado in convincing fashion. Uh, Asman's top five radio hosts to save the planet because they're they're going up against the aliens and they need radio hosts for some reason. Howard Stern, which look Howard Stern had a had a period of greatness, so that's a that's a tough one to he had argue. A bank account that's still greatness. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, Howard Stern had a period of greatness in radio. There's no doubt about it. He had Rush Limbaugh on his list. Remember Limbaugh on ESPN? Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, he wasn't on. He wasn't on Monday Night Football. Yes, was he? Was. They had him on Monday Night Football. Yes, he was. I thought so, yes, but I was, was like, no way that they actually put him on Monday Night Football. But I thought that he was. Yes, he was. How him did they Korn- put Rush Limbaugh him, on Monday Night Football? Kornheiser, Dennis Miller, uh, Dennis Miller. Miller. Yep. Like at least Kornheiser knows sports and like was a little comedic relief. Like Limbaugh on Monday Night Football was wild. Maybe maybe that does speak to the greatness of him as a radio host that he could go from pol- like political radio to Monday Night Football. Who's That's old. That's crazy, man. Fooling people, fake it till you make it, and he made it. Isn't that nuts? It really doing is. political and, radio, and then he's on Monday Night Football, especially it, because how divisive you are when you do political, no matter which side you're on. Right, you're not placating to like everybody, which you're is not what going Disney right down the aisle. And ABC and Monday Night Football is well. That's why he didn't last long. Right? Yeah, I understand because the politics. Yeah. I looked it up. I looked up Rush Limbaugh at ESPN and an article from 2003. Limbaugh quits ESPN over race controversy. Yeah, not surprising. A lot of people aren't happy with ESPN now either because of the, the other end of the spectrum it's like why you just go right down that aisle don't don't go down the left side of the aisle don't go down the right side of the aisle go right down the, that's why i don't do politics i don't do politics uh chris mad dog russo was on jake's list don imus i was about wondering race if, controversy oh, right yeah. <laughs> just who just oozes controversy don imus on women's basketball yeah i don't want to go there no i don't <laughs> think anybody should I can't believe that Jake had the. To, I'll be honest with you, Jake had some bravado putting Imus on his list. Like he could have potentially been canceled for supporting yeah, Don just, Imus. Just, just, just avoid it. And then he kissed John Granado's butt. He had Stern, Limbaugh, Mad Dog Russo, Imus, and uh, Granado. His top five radio hosts to save the planet. Hmm. Jake's went full one eighty on Granado. Wanted him fired, and now he's putting him in his top five radio <laughs> hosts to save the planet. Um, Somewhere right now, Paul is pissed. Paul? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul. Paul's like, how am I not on that yeah. list? Oh, I got you. That's yeah. too racist. I mean, I'd rather have Paul than Imus. Yeah. <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I sometimes I listened on the other end of the dial from the FM to the AM to prepare for this very segment. Uh-huh. Yesterday's Astro win big, right? You sure. know, they come from behind, they win the game, everybody feels good. It's like, is this the is this the game that can can right the ship for the Houston Astros? Can they build off of those momentum? What do you what did I hear on Highway to Hell today? What did I hear on Highway to Hell? Uh-uh. It was none of that. It was no it was no positivity. It was no here's the world champions figuring it out. It was no they figured they got Altuve back. They're ready to win. It was no none of that. None of that. It was the Astros season is toast. The Astros are done. What just close the curtains. The season is over for the Houston Astros. That's what I heard today on the highway to hell. Was this after Kyle Tucker missed an 0-3 count? This was uh, 0-3 count, <laughs> which, which has been tweeted in the past as well as used. I know what you. I know what yep. you're saying. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got the ball strikes. They got they got it mixed up before on the highway to hell. Mm-hmm. No, but the Astros season is toast because Christian Javier is washed, and they cannot survive not having Christian Javier. I can only imagine which of the esteemed... What's your guess? The Baytown Batty. No. The no, sw- he doesn't make hot takes like that. He, he's on the fence. The Sweaty Locker? Uh-huh. There you go. Which I, does, I, knew, which, I knew he'd be in the ballpark. Which doesn't surprise you, right? He blocked me. Lance's... Who Never did? met him in my life. Oh, really? Yeah, blocked me. That happens a lot, I hear. Yeah. I'm really, I've heard I'm that. Really, I'm really... I don't know if I'm still trying to get over it. I've heard that in the past. Which I... It's, it's a weird move. Just mutes people. Right. Uh, LZ... Our very own Lance Erline. Yes. His kids are landing on the list of Bad Take Boulevard. Lance tweeted this out earlier this week. My 16-year-old believes that he could cook NBA players from the 50s if he went back in time. He's not on a varsity basketball team or AAU team, but he's 6'2 with a plus jumper, but below average strength and quickness. He and his younger brother really believe that whoever played in the, before the 2000s were plumbers. 
So Lance's sixteen year old two thousands is way different than the fifties right. and sixties because most of those guys are dead. Right. Yeah. So his sixteen year old believes that he could cook NBA players from the fifties if he went back if he went back in time. So like this is him right now going back in time to play players in time in real time from the fifties. So like the Wilts and the Bill Russells and like the Oscar Robertsons. Lance Erline dribbling uh, circles around. Lance Erline, sixteen-year-old, thinks he can take Oscar Robertson in a game of one-on-one. He thinks I, he can take uh, Will Chamberlain Lance's in a game of one-on-one. Play and nothing against him, but don't don't poo-poo all over some of the guys that played back then. He is on. Yeah, his kids made the uh, the, the list. They made the list of Bad Take Boulevard, which, to be honest, is in great company this week because I'm on it. Jake is on it. Uh, it's a great list to be on this week. <laughs> <laughs> and Cody Stutes is laugh. I forgot about that. How could I? I'm going to have nightmares about that laugh. All right, that does it for who uh, for Bad Take Boulevard. If you have other people that should have made the list, you can tweet them at Pac-Man Joel. Speaking of Christian Javier, look, let's be honest. He, he did not pitch well yesterday. He's been poor in back-to-back starts. Does the downfall of Christian Javier increase the need for pitching on the Houston Astros this year? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. <laughs> All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Christian Javier got roughed up yesterday. He, he did not pitch well. Back-to-back outings where Javier's not pitched well. Uh, fastball velo is down. Uh, the spin on the fastball's down. It is revolutions per minute, by the way. I looked it up during the is break. Minute, yeah, huh? I'm just gonna start saying spin rate, though. That sounds way better. I'm gonna I'm gonna heed King I mean, of Twitch's it, advice. It's not a 50 yard dash. It's a, but it is a big number. It is weird that they would use a minute on right. something that takes yeah. a sudden instance. Uh, you're right. I agree with you on that. It's kind of weird, uh, but not great from Javier. I mentioned the the velo, the RPM, the spin rate. Not great for for Christian Javier. Uh, some people on the Twitter that I was uh, talking to uh, about this, they, they say that his arm angle appears to be different, and that apparently some say, there's some part of the mechanics, analytics. Huh? Yeah, that would that would speak to the the analytics on that. It absolutely would. Um, but it does raise the question. Look, Javier, right now, he's the number two starter on this team. He he's we've ta- we've talked about the formidable duo of this team as well with Fromber Valdez being a betting favorite earlier this week to win the Cy Young. Last year, finished top five young, uh, top five Cy Young voting. Christian Javier had a stellar year a year ago, and he started off this season really good. He's still 7-1. and one. His ERA is still like three and a quarter, or three and three quarters. So, like, you still have hope that Javier is going to figure it out. But right now, who would you trust as your second starter? Hunter Brown. I would trust Hunter Brown more than Javier, yeah, too. I would, right now. Now, do I think that Javi can figure it out? Yes, I do. Same. And because it's not, as far as we know, injury-related, I believe that you've got two good pitching coaches. You've got a really good pitcher you're working with. And I believe with all the different resources they have with technology and everything else, I believe that they he will get right. They will work it out. The one concern is the fact that we've set what we've highlighted about the wear and tear, especially this year with the World Baseball Classic, all the innings pitched since he's been an Astro, and the deep playoff runs. Hunter Brown looks like he right he fixes his wrongs quickly. He attacks. He's got plus plus stuff on multiple pitches. And I think for those reasons, all he's lacking that Javier has right now is the experience of deep playoff runs in big time games with bright stage a big bright lights big stage. But once he gets that, 
I think it's an easier choice. Yeah, Javier Clutch. Yep. Like Javier's yep. had some really unbelievable moments on the big stage. I mean, he threw a no-hitter in a World Series game. Uh, one of, what, two that has ever two happened? Larson, yep. and then that one was the second. So Javier has that clutch gene, but not going well right now. I would say right in this moment that Hunter Brown will be my second most trusted starting pitcher yep. behind yep. behind Fromber. Fromber's the easy one, and he has separated himself. But I, w- I would elevate Hunter Brown over Javier at this moment yeah, right and now I, today. And I think that we also know sometimes how quirky Dusty gets about when he sets his playoff rotations to about matchups and coming from one guy to the next guy where he might juggle those three guys anyway. But I, I definitely think as of right now that Hunter Brown is your number two. So with the way Javier's pitched back-to-back starts, and we try not to be prisoner in the moment, and you're going to go through some rough stretches no matter if you're a hitter or if you're a pitcher, and Javier's ceiling is still really, really high. You've you got to get him going. That is priority number one for the Houston Astros is to get him back whether it's the arm fatigue, whether it's the slot, getting some you know spin and some velo on the fastball, whatever it takes to get Javier right, that is the most important thing at this moment. But seeing Javier pitch poorly in his last two starts, does that increase the need for pitching at the deadline for the Houston Astros? I was thinking about this this morning, and the biggest thing that came to my mind was as much as we've said, look, they need to get a bat. They need to upgrade this lineup. And then we even... We even debated, like, well, is it going to be a left fielder, a first baseman, ideally a guy that can play both? Is it a left-handed hitter or a right-handed hitter? But then again, we started debating playing time if the other guys are healthy. Well, now you've got Jordan Alvarez swinging again. Now you've got Michael Brantley swinging again. And so at least these are positive steps that lead you to believe both guys will be back. We believe and know that Jordan should be. We don't know, but we are led to believe and assume that Brantley eventually will be if that's the case and Javier has been struggling does it now change your level of urgency to move away from the bat a little bit more and focus more on more of a frontline caliber type starter that can be inserted into and or enhance your top three pitchers that we just talked about I think it, we might be getting close to that point. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Javi pitching poorly the last two. Does that flip the script? Or maybe you're already there on what is the bigger priority for the Houston Astros? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. You say that it's getting close. I think that the gap has been closed between like demand yeah. between batter and pitcher. I'm still I'm still bat. I'm still bat over arm because. I look at Javier that you have to get him right no matter what. Like, you have to get Christian Javier right no matter what. And if you don't get Christian Javier back no matter what, you're going to be in a tough spot whether you trade for an arm or you don't trade for an arm. Like, whatever arm that you trade for isn't supposed to be the number 2 starter on the Houston Astros. It's not supposed to be an arm that's going to be elevated over whoever Christian Javier is. It's to basically... You know, be a guy that's an upgrade tremendously over Renel Blanco during the regular season and then be an upgrade in a playoff rotation over J.P. France. Uh, France. That's what you ultimately want. Todd, the show says, welcome to Houston, Shane Bieber. Don't look now, but the Cleveland Guardians are in first place they in the American League game. Central. Yep. So that's kind of what Dana Brown was talking to as well when he went on the flagship is there, there's not a lot of teams right now that are sellers. Um, there you is one team that you mentioned seller. Miami yesterday too, which is a team that's right in the thick of it. They're not going to be unloading anybody right now. The Mets might be unloading. They might. I mentioned yesterday Justin Verlander, which that video on uh, that ESPN ninety seven five posted doing numbers. If you haven't noticed, fourteen thousand views, which has outviewed the previous eight videos that ESPN ninety seven five has posted. Do you know the previous high or the the video, the last video that is still outproduced that Verlander video was us talking about Zion joining the Rockets. When we both were on board with 
exploring yeah. the opportunity. Yeah, this the the Justin Verlander video has uh, has surpassed the previous eight videos combined, and on my personal Twitter has one hundred and forty one thousand views. Wow! So it's uh it's intriguing, which is it's in- yeah at Jeremy Branham. Yep. It, it's interesting too because like you read some of the comments. And I, I asked the question: Who says no? Many people. There's a lot of people who say the Mets. Like there's people that say the Mets say no to this deal. Look, I don't think Justin Verlander is like the top target you would go after as a starting pitcher. I think it's more of a fallback plan. I think a lot of things have to fall in place. Are the Mets going to be sellers? We don't know that they're going to be. Uh, Are they going to be motivated to move a Justin Verlander? Would they be willing to take on salary or hold some of Verlander's salary? Because you you can't take on the full Verlander salary. Either the Mets need to retain a good chunk of it, or they need to take Rafael Montero's contract off their hands. How about both? That's fine. I yeah. mean, obviously, I'm going to be cool yeah, with that'd that. that'd be fantastic. Yeah, they, they retain 25% of the salary, and they take on Rafael Montero's Boom. contract. Now it's easily more acceptable for me. Pedro Leon, Rafael Montero for Justin Verlander, and the Mets keep 25% of Verlander's contract. Done. I'm intrigued by Justin Verlander back in Houston. And this isn't, well, you're paying all $43 million in Verlander. You're, you're waffling back and forth. No, it's different. Like, my opinions change in six months. That's sports. Sports are fluid. Sports change. Things change. I didn't think Rafael Montero was going to be a disaster. I didn't think Rafael Montero was going to get $11.5 million. So it's kind of getting Justin Verlander at a discount. If I get Verlander back, and even if they don't retain any of the salary, and I trade away $11.5 million, I'm getting Verlander at $32 million a year. It's a discounted Verlander. If they take 25% and you get the added bonus of dumping out on Montero and you still have Corey Lee to use as trade bait if you do want to go out and get another bat, you are really setting yourself up for another World Series run. Now you're loading up across the board. Now you're solving the pitching problem. You still have the ability to, to solve the extra bat in the lineup hitting problem. And you make your depth, which we've talked about, especially with some of these struggle bus games, where you're like, well, what are your options? You want to pinch hit for Maldi, but if your your option to pinch hit for Maldi is Madris, well, how much of an upgrade really is that except for he had two hits at the end of the game last night? Marks from rallies last night. But, you know, when you look at Hensley, when you look at the other guys that they've tried to, to use in these situations, they could use depth. If you could add depth, add a bat, add Verlander, this team is capable of beating anybody in a series. I think so, too. Like I think so, as well. 713-780-ESPN, asking you the question. Uh, with Justin Verlander, with, uh, I'm sorry, with uh, Christian Javier struggling in his last two starts, Brantley swinging a bat, Jordan swinging a bat again, is it time to focus more on a starter than a bat? 713-780-3776. NBA free agency starts tomorrow. Maybe we start to see some leaks maybe during our show tomorrow. We'll be all over that. Uh, it officially opens at 5 Central tomorrow. I have a uh, a difficult question for you. You can't have Fred Van Vliet. Okay. You can't have Fred Van Vliet. He's not the point guard for the Rockets next season. If you can't have Fred Van Vliet, who do you want to be the the uh, the Rockets point guard next year? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.